Welcome to the Get Families Talking podcast with Hafsher, your host. Join us as we introduce various guests with exciting discussions to stimulate different generations of families into conversation. When we start, families listen. When the listening stops, that's when families get talking. Assalamualaikum listeners, it's Khafsha here from Get Families Talking. I hope you've been able to have yourselves a wonderful week. Um, and some of you may have been busy doing Zoom calls and doing tutorials and doing lots and lots of learning as well via Zoom and lots of online platforms. How are you finding it all? Has the challenging aspects of being able to do these things initially in the first place has some of that challenge changed into a different challenge i know i've had days when i feel completely zoomed out so are you having days like this now as well and i think certainly for some of you who may still be working and trying to manage working from home maybe finding different challenges with having to do lots of different zoom calls so we're going to be talking actually today's show is really really interesting because we're going to be talking about what on earth is this zooming what on earth is this digital divide that we keep hearing about and it's all really really quite timely because last week i was really excited i think it was last week weeks go really quickly don't they when you're in lockdown but yeah so i was excited um to be part of the consumer digital index launch um and it was launched in a virtual space for a change um rather than it being a actual event um and i was actually a speaker at this event as well so i learned an awful lot but you know it was being able to share some of the stories about how this digital divide what on earth is this digital divide and what on earth can we do about this so i have got two guests on the show today um my guests today are chris from the lloyd's banking academy and joe from the lloyd's banking group um, and she is the she works as part of the responsible transformation team there and both my guests are going to be talking in some detail about the consumer digital index and about this digital divide and really what this piece of research this consumer digital index what has it thrown up what are the challenges and hopefully what can we not just as organizations but as individuals what can we do about trying to change some of this so without further ado i'm going to introduce my guest hello joe hi hafsha thanks for having me that's very good how are you today i'm good thank you very good excellent and i've got chris on the show as well chris how are you today hi there very well thank you excellent now are you both zoomed out yeah, I've never uh, never had as much general knowledge thrown my way in my entire life. Yeah, I think we're zoomed out, teamsed out, um, but it's great. It's it's been an absolute game changer to connect um, for work, for personal life um, during lockdown. So I'm not sure where we'd be without it, to be honest. Exactly, and of course, zooming, teaming, and all the rest of it means that you've got to have good device there and you've got to have good connectivity as well yeah who'd have thought that um arguments in households would balance over who had best access to the wi-fi yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> absolutely so welcome to my show get families talking both i'm really really excited to be sharing um stories and really about some in-depth knowledge about the consumer digital index uh with yourselves and really get some insight into what all of this is for my listeners but it is a tradition on this show get families talking wouldn't be get families talking without a story to start with and if we are lucky we will also have a story to end with as well so listeners my story today and it has to be obviously if we are talking about getting online it has to be amsty gets online so chris and joe please sit back and enjoy our short story amsty gets online 
Once upon a time, in an old Victorian library in Birmingham, there lived a family of computers. Big ones, little ones, laptops, iPads and tablets. They all lived very happily together, smiling away and working hard. At the end of the row of shiny computers lived a very old computer. He was so old, he had even forgotten his name. The library staff called him Amsty or something like that. He wasn't sure because he was getting quite deaf now too. Nobody bothered him in his dark corner. Sometimes the cleaner would come over to him and wipe his face down with a duster. But even that was only if she was polishing Mr. Mac next to him. Mr. Mac, the ever so popular Mr. Mac. So slim and handsome, always so popular with everyone. Amsty was so old now, his keys would stick, and he was getting quite slow at finding out and remembering information. The library was a busy place with people coming in, reading books, and waiting to use the computers. Excited children played games and songs and watched cartoons. Old people and young people came in to do research, type out long pieces of homework, and apply for jobs. Mums and dads came in to search for holidays, to go shopping, to check their bank accounts and to send emails to their friends. Everybody just wanted to get online. All the computers were busy searching, remembering, helping and finding out information for everyone. All the computers were busy except for Amsty. Amsty sat quietly snoozing his days away. Nobody wanted to use him. He was sure one day the library staff would send him away to a computer museum to sit behind a glass screen and be stared at. That is, until one day all the computers, Mr Mac and all the laptops became very ill. All their screens went dizzy. The engineer came and scratched his head and said something about a virus. All the computers had a virus and they all just needed a rest, all of them, except for Amsty. The library staff apologised to the babies, the school children, to mums, dads and grandparents. So sorry, they said, our apologies. Our computers are real. They all have a virus, all of them except our old computer, Amsty. But I have to get online, they all shrieked. Can we use Amsty? And suddenly there was a queue of people, young and old, all waiting to use Amsty. All week long, his keys clicked and clacked, and slowly but surely, he became quite fast at finding out, remembering information, and helping everyone else. And the cleaner too found time to give Amsty a clean up every day. All the computers soon got better, and when they did, they said thank you to Amsty for holding the fort. And after that, Amsty was never lonely, and he certainly never had the time to snooze his days away. I hope you've enjoyed that story. Did you enjoy that, Chris? Absolutely did. Listeners, I hope you've enjoyed that story. And obviously, I think it seems like an age ago, doesn't it, that we were all in libraries being able to use computers there and take out books. Um, and obviously, you know, using the computers to find out information. Now, it's quite timely because, of course, with libraries on lockdown as well, where are people getting information from? What's happening if you don't have a device? What's happening if you're not connected to the internet at home? Do you know, one of the worrying things is that according to United Nations estimates, nearly half the global population, that's almost 46% of people, still are not connected to the internet. What does it mean for these people? What does lockdown mean? Well, during lockdown, it means that they're missing out on immediate access to vital public health information. How do they work from home? How do they learn from home? 
How do they order medicine? How do they have doctor's appointments? I know I had a doctor's appointment a few days ago and it was all done virtually. How are they doing that? How are they getting foods delivered? Live streaming of religious services, weddings, funerals, all sorts of things that are happening online now. What are people in poorer regions doing? We know that people in poorer regions are likely to be less connected. We also know that there's a huge gender divide as well. And one of the sad things is that it's not just, we think to ourselves, it's obviously going to be just people in the poorer countries that this is affecting. And it's not. It's affecting people actually in some of the most wealthiest countries. And that's what we're going to be talking. There's some really, really interesting things going on, aren't there? And I know, Joe and Chris, you've been involved in doing some research with the Consumer Digital Index. So please, before we go ahead, let's talk about this. Are we finding, I mean, these are some really, really startling facts that we're finding. So please tell, tell our listeners, what on earth is this Consumer Digital Index? How does it link in with some of those facts and the divide that we've been talking about here? Brilliant. Thanks, Hasha. And hopefully I can uh, demystify that and bring that to life for you a little bit. So um, what is the Consumer Digital Index? So um, we at Lloyds Bank um, have been producing it for the last five years, and it's the largest measure of digital skills across the UK. Um, we speak to around 7,000 people, which is a lot of people, face-to-face um, -face, um, or either on the phone to establish how they're thinking, what they're feeling about digital and how often they interact online or not. Um, and it's a benchmark that we provide to the whole of the UK and lots of different partners. So I guess why we know digital is important. So I guess just a few quick key facts. So we know, for example, that two thirds of UK occupations, digital skills are an essential entry requirement for that. We know also the Department for Education are now recognising digital skills as equal um, on an equal footing to English and maths. Um, so, you know, is 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 so important to, to everyone now. Um, and increasingly, we keep hearing this this term digital first and businesses, charities, everyone, they're all turning people to online as a first port of call. So, uh, you know, we really felt like it, we have a great sense of responsibility to make sure we're benchmarking and measuring just how digital the UK is, because if we're directing people online and they're not there, then we're going to have a problem. So a lot of your services, are they only available online now? So we've got we've got a range of services that are I guess it's a blend of online um, and um, face to face. So obviously at the moment because of the um, the pandemic, um, you know we're having to scale back some of our services and our hours in branch, but we're definitely there and um, face to face on the phone and, and online. Okay, so this is really interesting. So a lot of our listeners will be aware of Lloyd's Banks. Um, through the high street, I suppose, really. And I suppose, really, I mean, now we're in an age where a lot of um, banks are actually closing a lot of their local branches, aren't they? Um, but it doesn't mean to say that they haven't got a presence. What it means is that they have an online presence. But it's having that online presence. It's, as you say, Joe, it's about making sure that your customers can actually access that online presence. Is that why this work is so important to you at Lloyds Bank or is it just limited to Lloyds Banking Group or is this something that will cut across and, and is of interest to other organisations as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's not something that we do on our own. We work with a whole host of, um, of different partners. So I mentioned um, we work with the Department for Education um, and also the Department for Digital Culture, Media and Sport. So I guess we're really ensuring that our UK nationally representative data is being used, um, you know, from a thought leadership level within government. We're trying to, I guess, initiate change and influence policy. Um, but then it's all about we really believe in converting insight into action. So we work with a number of different um, skills providers and charities um, who are then, you know, I guess, doing the doom and providing those 
skills on the ground. And um, so we work with lots of different people, such as the Good Things Foundation, BT, Google, and um, to really kind of translate that insight into action and start to close this digital skills gap that our data um, is identifying. Super. Now, um, Joe, just thinking back on some of this stuff. So you mentioned that you're talking to around 7,000 people. That's an awful lot. Have you been able to capture their thoughts, their understanding and their barriers? Have you been able to capture some of that in this report? Yeah, so we capture, um, I guess, lots of information that we try to distill down to, um, I guess, not that many pages. We've got loads of data that sort of sits behind it. Um, but yeah, I guess the common barriers that we're that we're seeing to people getting online, um, I guess first of all, um, age that continues to be a big barrier. Um, we know um, over three quarters of those over the age of seventy um, are really struggling to get online. Um, if you've also got an impairment, um, unfortunately. We know there are also disadvantages there too. So people with an impairment are 25% less likely to lack the access to get devices. Um, and thirdly, what we've seen um, over the last five years is motivation. That also continues to be a barrier. So people really don't understand, um, you know, why online is relevant, why they should be doing it. Um, so, you know, it's often about, I think, you know, trying to find what will sort of cater to people's specific and individual needs and um, so you know it could it might have taken lockdown for example on the pandemic we find ourselves in for people to really realize and understand actually I do have a need to get online because they might have to be self they might have to be shielding at the moment they might not be able to go to their doctor um, or get some food um, and the only way for them to do that is now online and um, so we're hoping next year we'll be able to see a shift in that in that motivation. So is your research showing up that there's an awful lot of people who are not online? Um, so we know at the moment from our data, there's about 7% of the UK that are pretty much completely off of, offline. Um, so that has decreased um, over the last five years that since we've been measuring it. Um, but yeah, there is still you know quite a sizable amount of the UK that, with, that, aren't, that aren't available and, and reachable online. Yeah. And it's as you say, Joe, during this pandemic, it's not just about the fact that they've not been able to do some of those most essential things like shopping and getting advice and getting medical help and things like that. But it's the fact that, you know, lockdown has meant a lot of people are feeling very, very lonely and isolated. And we forget, you know, actually being digitally aware, being digitally connected gives you a lot of scope to be more social, doesn't it? And to decrease that isolation. Absolutely, yeah. Um, with, with, I guess, our data, you know, there's there are, I guess, um, you know, there's a, a lot of people that we're not able to reach, but for those people that are online, um, we know so 87% say that it feels they make, they, they're more connected with their with their friends and family um, and 55% so over half of those online say they feel more part of a community as well um, which as you say is a massive kind of combat for, for isolation and feeling really disconnected from the outside world at the moment so I guess digital doesn't just have um, you know I guess it can help you save money and you know there are sort of tangible benefits like that but some of the softer benefits that can have an impact on mental health and well-being um, are just completely invaluable. Yeah and Chris and I were talking just before the show started as well about how you know he's using Zoom with his friends and his family to connect with them um, and doing quizzes and all sorts of things so lots of families are doing uh, virtual meetups aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's quite interesting, isn't it, really, that there's people that perhaps you didn't speak to very often prior to lockdown. I think I, I mentioned my friends on the Isle of Man, didn't I, where I used to see them maybe four times a year, and now I'm speaking to them every single week, which certainly didn't happen before lockdown. So whilst obviously it's been a very difficult time for lots of people, and it undoubtedly a lonely time for lots of people, through the use of technology, I think we've actually been able to become perhaps even more social virtually than 
we were prior to lockdown. But for those yeah. that have no access to digital skills, it's been an even more lonely time than perhaps it was before lockdown. Yeah. Do you know, a few weeks ago, it was really lovely. Um, a friend of ours, uh, she was turning 60. And obviously, with it being such a momentum birthday, uh, she was really looking forward to it. She'd been planning, you know, the events. And it wasn't just one event, it was going to be a multiple number of events in the run up to her birthday. And of course, with lockdown, it's all been filed away. Um, and it was a really lovely touch because her sister actually organised a virtual birthday greeting for her um, via Zoom. And there were about 15 people on this Zoom call and we had this lovely moment where we all sang happy birthday to her. And I just thought, you know, we couldn't have done that. How many people are not able to do this because they don't have the knowledge, they don't have the skills and they don't have that connectivity and device? Right. So I want to talk more about the stats, please, and these top line stats, because this research has, does it take you almost a year to do this research, you know, and then you're pulling it together in this consumer digital index and helping us by really just pulling together some of the facts, really, of what you know and what your research has shown up. So please tell our listeners a little bit more about some of the stats that you have found out on the on you know whilst you've been doing your research for the consumer digital index and as you know listeners you may have heard that this is a report that Lloyds Banking Group do um, every year and it's been going on for the last five years so it's really you know I'm sort of really really hoping that you'll be able to say Hafshire some of those awful figures are actually decreasing that's what we're finding and we're finding people are getting more online is that what your research is showing you? So we are seeing we are seeing some positives, Hasha, which is good. But right. I guess um, on the whole, um, things are slowing down. Progress isn't as good as we'd like to see. Um, so I guess that's you know where there's a massive emphasis on you know not only just producing this data, but then really make sure. Um, we don't just move on to the next report and forget about this year's iteration where they're actually doing something and making a difference. Um, I guess some other stats that I'll just bring to life really quickly. So I've mentioned there's a 7% of the UK that are almost completely offline. Um, but we also have a measure called essential digital skills. So we measure three layers um, of capability. So we have the real basic foundation skills. Mm -hmm. So we know year on year, there's 1.2 million people that are able to do more of the basic things. So that's things like turning on, on a device, connecting to a Wi-Fi network, being able to adjust the controls on their device so they're able to access it properly and you know make the font bigger so they can get the best use out of it. Um, but unfortunately, we do know there are still so 5.9 million people, which is 11% of people that can't turn on the device. We know there's 5.1 million people that can't use controls on the device either. So those examples that I've just mentioned. So I guess, and we'll kind of come on to it in a bit, but. I guess, you know, we're, we're talking on a Zoom call today. I think quite a lot of people may take for granted their digital skills that they have already. Um, mm. but there are some of these real basic functions just enable to some, that will enable someone just to get online, that there's, a, that there's millions of people in the UK that aren't able to do it, which still continues to astound me. But, you know, it just kind of shows that there's a massive need for this report and we need to, conti to continue to measure and try to change it and do something about it. Yeah. And I think you're completely right there because it's not just a case of having the device and being able to do a minimal amount on there. You know, I was talking to someone recently and she's really quite disabled. She's struggling with isolation at home and um, having to isolate as well because of uh, COVID. But she said, um, I need to go out to the bank. I have to go and do my banking jobs. I have to get to the bank to pay my bills and, you know, check my accounts and things. And I said to her, I said, well, I said, you've got your tablet. You, you can do this. So why are you not doing it online? And she said, I don't like to put my passwords in. I don't trust things. 
you know, and I think this is one of the biggest barriers, isn't it? Because people are so worried about, you know, being hacked and they don't understand that actually technology is really, really quite secure now. But, you know, you need to be able to put those, you know, you need to be able to switch that button on to be able to get that security. Are you finding this? Absolutely. Yeah, I think people continue to say that one of their barriers or one of their main concerns is security. Um, and also, you know, people's access to their information that continues to be a concern. Um, and I think, you know, as we've spoken about during lockdown, a lot more people probably would have got themselves online. But I guess just because they're able to do a WhatsApp call or join a Facebook messenger video chat with their friends and family, it's not automatically going to mean that they are therefore able to be safe online and, you know, keep themselves protected. Um, so I think, you know, that's something that we, we, we can't overlook. And I think it needs to, we need to ensure that there's continued sustained support once the UK kind of goes back to normal. If there are some people that are interacting online for the first time, we need to make sure they're doing safely and securely. Yeah. And of course, for children as well, because that's one of the things that parents worry about, isn't it? Because they don't know what their children are doing, you know, when they're not watching the screen themselves. So it's about making sure that parents fully understand, you know, the security buttons that can keep children safe as well. Mm, absolutely. This is really, really interesting um, stuff that we're talking about here. Listeners, if you've just joined me, it's Hofsha here on the Get Families Talking Show. And we've got a really interesting show on today. And we are talking about the digital divide. And we are talking about the Consumer Digital Index, which was launched about two weeks ago. And it's a piece of, a, it's a report actually that was launched. And we have got Joe and Chris on the show today. Both of them are from the Lloyds Banking Group and the Lloyds Bank. Um, and they are talking to us about what this report means and really just breaking it down a little bit because I tell you what some reports make for heavy reading don't they um, so it's really really useful actually having yourselves on the show today to sort of just try and demystify it really and get us to understand what this report means now you always sort of think to yourself and certainly Joe I think you've touched on this a little bit because we do think to ourselves well if people are at work um, then surely they must have good digital skills here they must be able to get online and check their pay slips and um, check their employers' policies because a lot of that now is on that intranet, isn't it? So surely they must be able to do that. But is this what your research has shown you? Um, well, you'd really like to think it, um, but we do know from our research, so we're able to look at, as I said, the basics. We're able to look at digital skills that are needed to get by in day-to-day -day life. Um, but we also do look at the workforce as well. That's a recent build into our framework because the digital skills that you need at home um, compared to the workplace, you know, there's there's a stark difference. Um, so we decided to have a, to start to look into that last year. Um, so we know that over half of the workforce, that's equivalent of 17.2 million, don't actually have the skills to do their job properly. Um, so I guess what that means, um, as you said, Hasha, that could be, accessing their pay slips and um, being able to use the basic spreadsheets we all have a spreadsheet um, having to do it for budgets or you know track some even the basic sorts of data and do some calculations um, and then it also able to use the collaboration tools so we mentioned zoom and um, teams google hangouts all those sorts of things there are 17.2 million people that aren't able to do that at the moment so 17.2 million, and you broke that down because you said that's over half the workforce. Mm -hmm. That's a huge amount, isn't it? And especially when you think that actually a lot of employers, especially with lockdown, a lot of information is online. So those people, what, what's happening with them, Joe? Does that mean that they effectively don't get access to that information? Do they get access to that information secondhand through another colleague who may or may not understand it? There's an awful lot of vulnerabilities here that we're talking about, aren't there? Absolutely. I think there's different ways um, that you would hope people would, you know, they'd be resourceful and try to kind of work it out. So I guess we do know a large proportion of people try to self-teach themselves, um, but we do know 23% of the workforce are actually getting support from their employer which is brilliant it's almost a quarter um, 
but we're part of a, a coalition called future.now which is primarily focused on improving digital skills through the workforce and large employers and um, and that's one of the key focuses we really want to make sure um that you know that number continues to increase and that employers are really providing that support um to their employees because i think that's one of the best ways um that people are going to be able to upskill themselves yeah and of course you know it's not just the cost benefits involved for an employer but there's also huge benefits to an individual aren't there in getting online so i really want to talk to perhaps we could bring chris in on this um and just talk to chris about you know some of those wonderful benefits about getting online you know if we can put aside some of the worries and the concerns that people may have but let's talk about the benefits let's keep it upbeat let's talk about the joy of getting online what what you know what is the joy in getting online please the joy of getting online well being able to uh to speak with you today is one for sure. Um, Thank you. <laughs> Joe mentioned earlier that um, people have obviously been able to be better connected with friends and family. But beyond that, um, we know that over half of people say it makes them feel more like they're part of a community. And that could be any community. So it could be a community of people who are interested in knitting, which is a worldwide community. It could be, for example, um, Scouts. So I'm I'm a scout leader. I run a scout group, and there is a a global network on Facebook for um, scouters, and I feel like I'm part of that community. It could be even a local community. So most neighbourhoods now have a, a Facebook group where they share things and they sell things, and somebody might have some kids' toys going spur, and somebody can go and pick them up for free. So from a community point of view, I think um, it's really really valuable for people. You know, from an employability point of view, um, 60, over 60% of people say that being online has helped them to find a job. And most jobs nowadays are advertised online. And in some cases, the only way you can apply is online. And we know that for people who are in uh, manual jobs specifically, they can earn up to £2,000 a year more just by having a, a complete set of digital skills. And actually, the, the earning potential for somebody who is fully digitally skilled versus somebody who has no digital skills is really, really significant. We are talking tens of thousands of pounds in terms of the benefits to the individual. Well, that's a huge amount, isn't it? I mean, just if you look at £2,000 alone, just, you know, if you're in a manual job and you can get some digital skills behind you, you could be earning an extra £2,000 a year. That's a loss. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I think we do take for granted now that um, in an organisation like ours, which is digital first, as uh, the phrase that Joe used earlier, everything is done via a device, whereas people perhaps who've been in what are traditionally manual jobs, say, for example, a gardener, you might question why a gardener would need digital skills, but actually perhaps the gardener's workflow is managed on some sort of app or perhaps um, the gardener receives details by your email or has to report details back with pictures of what they've been up to. So digital yeah. now, I think, applies to every single job. And it's that huge element of being able to save money online because so many companies now give you a discount on your bill, you know, if you pay for it online or if you manage it online. So it is, it's a huge thing, isn't it? Okay, so Chris, on to you then. So... We talked about the most common things that sort of prevent people from getting online. And Joe mentioned earlier that age plays a huge barrier. Um, certainly some of the research showed that actually we've got lots and lots of people who aren't online because of their age. But what are the other barriers as well? So, um, yeah, age is by far the biggest barrier actually to, to people getting online um, as you mentioned which obviously at a time like this people of a certain age are most likely to be isolating more than more than others and therefore being online would actually be a huge benefit to them but beyond age um, we know that uh, people who live with some sort of impairment um, that can be very challenging for them to get online and it could be something so simple as having the ability to increase the text size on a device if they are perhaps mm. partially sighted or it may be um, something physical that prevents them from holding the device or, or using the tactile functions of the device. 
and motivation as well actually we see is quite a big contributing factor and we find in the main that people who say that motivation is an issue um, claim that there is no nothing that would motivate them to get online which is actually quite in, an interesting statement to make because after all of the, the great benefits that we've spoken about being able to save money being able to earn money be part of a community and um, it's interesting that there is a a a group of people who who believe that nothing would motivate them to yeah. be more online. So perhaps it is just finding something that they're interested in that does motivate them that would be the way to encourage those people to be more digital. And you know, Chris, that's really interesting that you say that because I came across a similar situation where somebody's actually said that same thing to me. There's nothing that will get me online. But it was only when I actually put some music on from possibly, you know, sort of like given her age that she was perhaps listening to in her 20s. And suddenly that music made her realise that actually listening to that music took her back to a time when she used to listen to that music with her mum. And she said it really took her back. And it was that that made her think, actually, if I could learn how to do that, I can listen to more of this it's about making it relevant, isn't it, for people and giving them something that they really want to be a part of. And I think also it was really interesting what you said about being part of the community as well, because I know a lot of, um, with, obviously with the mosque and a uh, lot of religious places having had to close as part of the um, lockdown, I know a lot of religious institutions and mosques have certainly put a lot of lectures um, and speeches online. And that's really helped people to stay connected, hasn't it? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And and I think that's a, a really good point that you make, that for lots of people, faith is one of the grounding principles. It's one of the things that, that makes them happiest. And having that taken away during a period like we've been through, through lockdown, must have been quite a, an upsetting experience. But through the use of technology, we've seen people holding services and, and people gathering for prayer online, um, which I, I think is such a wonderful thing. Yeah, no, it's been really, really good. So, um, listeners, if you've just joined me, it's Hafsha here on the Get Families Talking Show. And we are talking about the digital divide. We are talking about great things to do with the Consumer Digital Index and the report that has just been published following that, um, which was launched, actually. It was launched about two weeks ago. So we've got Joe and Chris on the show today, listeners, talking to us and really just trying to help us to understand the report and what their hopes are going forward in terms of what this report has produced, what does it show us? So, Chris, Joe, I just want to talk a little bit more about the report, really, and then I want to talk to Chris a little bit more as well about some of the um, actions that you have taken as a bank um, and in terms of trying to help consumers out there with um, what the report's findings have shown up. So please tell us, digital has been a lifeline for some people during this COVID lockdown period. People's behaviours have really had to change out of necessity, really just to sort of keep some normality going. Um, what has this report revealed to you about digital skills during this lockdown period? That's a great question, Hasha. Thank you. Um, I think, as you said, um, you know, digital... It's a lifeline for some people, um, you know, it, 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 you know it, there, there are tangible benefits to it. We've just spoken about earlier about, you know, manual workers are able to are more likely to earn more. We also know that people are able to save more money on their bills, um, which is a great kind of tangible benefit. And it can, digital can line the pockets. But I think for me, um, the biggest kind of takeaway and the biggest benefit of all of this is, you know, the impact it can make to the individual and to families. Um, and I think especially, you know, during the crisis we find now, um, you know, the, f the fact that so many people say they feel more connected to family and friends and um, over half say they can feel more part of the community. And, you know, you can't put a price on that. Um, and we also know 44% say it helps them to manage their physical and mental well-being as well. Um, and again, due to the situation we find ourselves in, mental health problems could be exacerbated by that. So I think if people can find the support, um, you know, without having to leave the house through digital, um, you know, I, you know, it's just invaluable. So I would, I'd love, I'd love us to be able to to find that, um, you know, that. Mm. that 
silver bullet, the golden solution where we can get everyone online because I'm a massive advocate of it. We all have digital skills and I just think it's a shame if people can't realise the value or aren't able to do it. So I really hope from the work that we're doing and the report, what it, what it shines a light on, we can, we can make a difference. Mm, absolutely and I think also the other thing that we're finding is that and a lot of people have said this that actually with lockdown what they're finding is that they're spending more time with their family um, they're realizing that actually their children are really really quite interesting characters and children are suddenly thinking actually mom and dad they're really quite interesting as well and but I think one of the joys of it all has been that actually for me, and certainly as you know, a family learning, a parent advocate as well, it's about the fact that children are being able to teach their parents different things. And a lot of that has been online. So I've had parents who have reported back to me and said, my child showed me how to get on Facebook. My child showed me how to play a game online. And, you know, and it's having that moment together. It's having that time together. And that's really been important. Listeners out there, you might be thinking, actually, do you know what? There was something here that I didn't know how to do. I asked my child and my child has taught me this. If it's something to do with online, then please share it with us. You know, and it might be something that actually other listeners too can benefit from. So please do dial in, call in, email in. You know, you've got the digital technology out there. Get in touch somehow with Hafsha on Get Families Talking and share your information with us. So I want to come back to the report. I want to come back to what you as an organization are doing differently. You've got all this wonderful data. You've got all this wonderful research that you've done. But now, so what? What is it that you are doing differently with this information? What have you learned from it? And how, how can this information help you, Lloyds, as an organization and other organizations to help consumers out there to help us out there is this something you can do yourselves so yeah this is um, absolutely something that you as an individual can and um, can do we we actually tend to find um the best way that people to for people to learn is to want to learn and go and access that information for themselves or as you rightly mentioned it's usually somebody in the family or a close friend who's got a bit more experience who'd have thought it that it's young children less than 10 years old that are teaching their uh, parents know how how these um, digital things work but specifically from a Lloyd's point of view based on the um, feedback from one of the original uh, consumer digital indexes a few years ago we set up the Lloyd's Bank Academy which is a, a digital skills learning academy it's all completely free and anyone can access it either via the portal which is lloydsbankacademy.com and you don't have to be a Lloyds Bank customer to use that. Anyone can go and, and try to learn on there. And there's all sorts of stuff available for individuals, whether that's basic stuff like helping you to use an email account or understanding what the cloud is. And I'm, I'm sure that that's a term that lots of people have heard, the cloud, but they're perhaps not familiar with what it is. Whereas in reality, it's, it's incredibly straightforward, actually. And if you have a mobile phone, a smartphone, the likelihood is you're using the cloud already without even realizing because your photographs get backed up to the cloud and your data gets backed up to the cloud so that next time you buy a new mobile phone, you can transfer everything over straightforward. So um, a lot of people probably have these skills without even realizing in some cases. But we also offer- I like that, actually, Chris. I really like that idea, you know, of the cloud because, of course, you know, for a lot of families, they'll be thinking clouds, but of course, this is a cloud that doesn't rain. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, precisely. Yeah, great. So I want to um just actually before we move further, what was that website address? Because um some families may have been sort of like running around quickly, grab a pen, grab a bit of paper. Yeah. What was that website? So it's LloydsBankAcademy.com, and there is uh, learning for individuals on there. So we've got various modules to help individuals with their digital skills, right from very uh, simple stuff to more complex stuff like we've said the cloud there's help on the things like um, writing a cv or or applying for jobs and then there's also information on the for businesses and charities as well so if you are a small business or you're volunteering or even running a charity and you want some help with things like um, keeping yourself safe or or using um, collaboration tools like Microsoft uh-huh. Word or PowerPoint or things like that Microsoft Teams there's lots of information available on there 
That's super. That sounds like it. And it's completely free to access this. It is, absolutely. As our face to face sessions prior to um, COVID, we were hosting face to face sessions as well in um, Manchester. Bristol and we plan to roll those out to London as well but unfortunately the situation made us rethink don't forget that. Birmingham don't forget Birmingham we exist here <laughs> we'll, we'll add it to the list don't you worry um, but everything's online now so we're actually hosting all of these events online and previously were uh, perhaps we were restricted to do these face-to-face events to just the cities in which we had a presence so now we can yeah. do them uh, all over the country just through online um, events okay so with this online, you've explained to our listeners that it's free. It's got a really, really easy website address as well. Um, but people always worry about accessing this because they always think, hang on, have I got to put in my data here? Are they going to keep contacting me? Is this anything to do with this? Is it anything like that? Or is it is your, you know, the whole motivation behind it is really just to help people to learn more, isn't it? Well, yeah, absolutely. There's no requirement for you to put any information in there at all. You you log on and you complete the courses in your own time. You can pick which courses you want to complete, but there's no expectation that you give us any information before you start those courses. That's super. And Chris, uh, one of the questions I have to ask you is, is there some stuff there for families or is this really a case of it's an individual needing to learn this so we can simply log on here and learn about this? But is there also information there that would be useful for families? Um, that's a very interesting question and I think the way that I would respond to that is by saying actually I think it's all um, valuable for families if I'm, if I'm being honest because regardless of what your familial situation is there are things that everybody's going to need to be able yeah. to do so say for example using emails I, I've used this example quite a bit when I've delivered sessions um, with a, a housing association in Manchester um, you can use an email to uh, talk to somebody in the marketing department at your office. You can use an email to book a taxi to the airport. You can use an email to email your sister in Canada. Uh, emails are such a versatile tool that I think they apply to absolutely everybody, regardless of uh, why you're using it. Yeah. Or you could, in fact, email the children upstairs to say, yes, the dinner is on the table now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I've only ever seen that done once with my. Uh, my godchildren who were whatsapping their mother from upstairs to ask if she could pick them some food up and I, I won't repeat her response. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant and of course you know it's not just support for individuals uh, you mentioned also there's support there for small businesses and charities as well and to be honest with you especially during Covid I think a lot of that support is so so required isn't it so I think that's really really useful. Now, I know that you're both really passionate about the human impact of how digital skills can make such a difference to people's lives. And I know I'm a great one for stories. And I know, actually, yes, please share some of your wonderful stories and how you've managed to change, you know, people's lives by getting them online. Sure. There's one example that I like to use. Um, because for me, it was a, a very personal thing because I, I could physically see the personal benefit of it in the moment. There's a, a charity that we worked with in Rochdale called KYP, and it was set up originally in the 70s to support the Kashmiri community in Rochdale. And over time, it's now just become a, a charity that supports members of all communities in Rochdale. But they run um, English as a second language courses for the people who've uh, come to Britain And as part of a a citizenship application for the UK, as I understand it, you have to have a certain proficiency in English. So that's why they run these courses. Now, for everybody else looking from the outside, you might think, okay, well, learning a new language, that's that's pretty difficult. But um, there are courses available for that. But actually, when you add the layer of digital skills required on top of that as well, it isn't just about learning English. It's about learning English and then being able to read a website form to put all your details into that form in order to apply for something. And then there's applying for jobs online, doing a CV in English when English isn't your first language. True. um, We offered the digital skills training as part of the English as a Second Language course so that whilst people were developing their English skills, they could also develop their digital skills. Um, And that, for me, is a really personal impact for me being able to see it because I know 
the the value that the people who attended those courses um, got. Yeah. Brilliant. And I also want you to tell our listeners, please, about the um, granddad's 99th birthday, because this is huge. This is, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, so it's, it's literally a story I heard the other day from my my friend. So it was her granddad's 99th birthday the other day, um, which is an achievement in itself. So cool. not only had he taught himself how to um, keep his diary on the computer rather than writing, so I think his writing was getting a little bit um, unreadable, bless him, um, and was struggling to hold the pen. So not only has he taught himself how to keep his diary um, online so all of his family can can read it and see what he's up to, because he's having to self-shield. Um, when his birthday came around, um, he was then able to um, you know, speak to his family virtually, and they also sent him some lovely photos and video montages. And Hasha, it's such a simple story. Um, but it's just, you know, I think it's just so effective and the, the impact that's going to have for that lovely granddad, um, you know, that would have made his day, maybe even his year, um, yeah. but would have made his lockdown a lot brighter. So that was one of my favourite stories from recent times. But do you know what, Joe? This has got to be a big takeaway for all our listeners out there that, you know, if a granddad at 99 years of old age can do this, then you know what? So can we all. We all have a duty to get online and improve our skills. And nobody's got an excuse really now, have they? Especially with this wonderful academy that you've set up now as well. All online, you know, what are families doing, you know? get online is what i'm going to say so please remind our listeners again what's that website address that is lloydsbankacademy.com great stuff and if you've managed to miss that then please if you're wanting more information do dial into the show get in touch with me virtually lots and lots of different ways um please get in touch with the show and i'm sure we'll share more information with you and if you need that website address again then we'll make that available to you as well joe chris listeners if you don't mind we are going to have this show up as a podcast as well so it's going to be available for our listeners to listen in to that as well if you want to absolutely fantastic show thank you so much for joining us thank you for giving us the time today as well to really help our listeners with this and i'm really really hoping and i'm sure you are as well that more and more people will get online as a result of this chris thank you so much Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Thank you. And you, Joe, thank you so much. Thank you, Hafsha. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Get Families Talking podcast. Please make sure you do subscribe to our podcast to ensure you never miss an episode. We value your opinions, so please feel free to contact us with your feedback or any other inquiries. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Get Families Talking podcast.